Hello and welcome to the Neshama Project podcast, where we explore spiritual tools for living a happier, more fulfilling life with a little bit less suffering. I'm Rabbi Ben Newman. This week, I'm going to be talking about the use of pleasure and desire to reach God and the infinite and whether that's okay and um, how that how that works in Judaism and perhaps a little bit in Eastern traditions like Buddhism uh, in particular Vajrayana tantric tantric Buddhism versus some of the other forms of Buddhism and I'm going to do that in the context of this week's Parsha, Matot Masay, and the commentary of Rabbi Menachem Nachem of Chernobyl, who was a disciple of the Baal Shem Tov, the founder of Hasidism, and his comments on Numbers 30, Numbers 2 through 3. Let's begin. Moses spoke to the heads of the tribes, saying, If a person utter a vow, forbidding a certain matter to himself, he may not profane his word. All that has come from his mouth shall he do. Numbers 30, 2-3 We must first consider our sages' teaching regarding the Nazarite. See Babylonian Talmud, Ta'anit 11a on the laws of the Nazarite in general and the Talmud in general speaks about the laws of the Nazarite. On the verse, the priest will offer him atonement for his sin against the soul. Numbers 6.11, they asked, against what soul has he sinned? They replied, his sin is that, uh, that, is that of distressing himself by abstaining from wine. So a person taking a Nazarite vow it is forbidden wine or any product of the vine. Uh, if you look at Numbers 6, 3 through 4, it outlines that. Back to the text. To understand this matter, one must know that the world and everything within it, both great and small, was created by the word of God. By the word of God were the heavens made and all their host by the breath of God's mouth. Psalm 33, 6. That word also sustains them and gives them life. You enliven them all, Nehemiah 9.6. Were it not for the life force within each thing, it would vanish from existence. But external things are in a broken state in this lowly world. Having come about through the sin of Adam and the generations that followed, sparks of fallen souls became encased in things of this world, including food, drink, and all other worldly matters. There is nothing in this world that does not have a holy spark within it, proceeding from the word of the Holy Blessed One, making it alive. That divine spark is the taste within each thing, within the thing, that which is sweet to the palate. Quote, taste and see that Yudhe is good, unquote. Psalm 34, 9. This means that when you taste or see something good, it is Yudhe Vavhe, the holy spark garbed within that thing. 
Our eyes see that after a person partakes of food, the sustenance remains within, while the waste, which does not give life, is expelled. That is something worthless, a negative, since the main purpose of food is that the person be sustained and given strength. The good taste one enjoys in that food or drink is a spark of the divine. Therefore, when you eat something, the spark within it is joined to your own life energy and you become strengthened by it. When you have whole and complete faith that this spiritual sustenance is indeed God's presence hidden within that thing, you will turn your mind and heart entirely inward, linking both of those aspects of yourself to the sustenance coming from that spark, you will join them all to the root of all, that one from which all life flows. Then you bring that broken, exiled spark before God, causing great delight. The whole purpose of our religious life is to bring those holy sparks out from under the shells, those broken places, into the realm of the holy. Thus is holiness raised from its broken state. This is especially true because so much of our worship and study consists of speech, enabled by the strength and sustenance that we derive from the taste of food, which is the holy spark within it. As we unite our speech with the primal speech of creation, we are raising up the spark within that food, which is also the word of God, since all is derived from fallen letters. Therefore, everyone who serves God needs to look toward the inner nature of things. Then all our deeds, including eating and drinking, are being done for the sake of heaven. Holy sparks are thus redeemed from their broken state, brought forth from exile or captivity, led into sublime holiness. This takes place in the blessings we recite, proclaiming God's sovereignty over each item. Later, too, when we serve God with that energy, speaking further words and putting our strength into them, attaching ourselves to speech above, those fallen letters or holy sparks continue to rise upward. The same of, is true of everything in this world, including trade and that which we earn. All the pleasure you get from these derives from sparks within them that specifically belong specifically to you. They have been clothed in a particular thing that comes your way because they belong to you. We explain this elsewhere in connection with the statement, They will eat in your place and will give you of what is yours. No one can even touch that which is set out for his fellow or her fellow, as the sparks belonging to a particular person's soul root can only be raised up by that person. They are really of that soul. That is why each of us has to journey to some particular place. Our Creator conducts the world based on the knowledge that fragments of sparks belonging to our soul are to be found in some object of business or in food or drink or in a particular place. God brings it about that the person travel there, putting a desire into their heart to make it happen, to make that person feel like they need to travel there. The real point is that they eat, drink, or engage in business there. In this way, they will raise up those sparks, as we have explained at length elsewhere. Each one of us should turn both heart and eyes to this secret of Know God in all your ways. Proverbs 3, six, as explained elsewhere. When we are mindful of this, we will know that our blessed Creator enlivens us by giving us 
their very own divine self. As scripture says, not by bread alone does a person live, but by all that comes forth from the mouth of yod Vavhe, Deuteronomy 8.3. This refers to the divine speech that is garbed in that bread, a term that includes all food. Therefore, anyone who distresses and punishes their self by refraining from taking pleasure in this world is called a sinner. Following the Talmudic opinion that one who engages in fasting is called a sinner. Eating too is serving Yudhe like Torah, prayer, tefillin, and all the commandments. The Blessed Holy One created and conducts the world through Torah, meaning that there is Torah in everything. Every believer must have faith that there is nothing that stands outside God's service so long as it is in accord with Torah and in accord with that which permits us to eat and drink. You just have to do these for the sake of their Maker, not for your own pleasure. In this way, they are all considered perfect devotion. That is why the one who refrains from them is called a sinner. They have prevented the rising up of the holy sparks dressed in that particular food from which they have abstained. So that's the quote from the Parsha from Manachem Nachem of Chernobyl. And I just wanted to delve into that a little bit. So, you know, there's two sides to this issue. Uh, on the one on the one hand, um, there's this idea that uh, I think it's in the Talmud. It says that we'll be called to account when we die for all the pleasures that we encountered in this world that we didn't partake in. But the danger is in hedonism, right? The danger is in using those pleasures to either avoid something that is difficult to avoid, right? To numb out uh, a pain or something that we have in our life. Like, for example, the wine that's mentioned here with the Nazarite. Uh, Or if we're so attached to that pleasure and we get addicted to that pleasure. Or if we're using that pleasure just for hedonistic purposes. So it's a fine line, and I think there's a, there's a real danger in um, partaking in pleasure, which is why I think that there are so many sort of ascetic schools uh, of religion, like in uh, many forms of Christianity, some forms of Judaism, uh, and Buddhism as well, in, in Theravada and some Mahayana sects of Buddhism, uh, and even in some... Vajrayana, but the idea that's that's true sort of in Tibetan Buddhism, Vajrayana Buddhism, which is esoteric Buddhism, and and in Jewish mysticism, and in Hasidism, is that pleasure in and of itself, taking pleasure in the pleasures of this world and the sensual pleasures of this world, in and of themselves are not bad. Uh, it's just, it's a fine line, and there's danger in that. That being said, to not, to avoid all pleasure uh, is also 
perhaps wrong because you're missing out on ways to connect to the divine in this world and you're missing out on raising up those holy sparks in this world so it's a fine line there i wanted to first read a quote from the five mindfulness trainings of Thich Nhat Hanh. This is the fifth mindfulness training, uh, which I think sort of has a little bit of a bearing on what we're talking about here. Uh, it's called Nourishment and Healing. He says, Aware of the suffering caused by unmindful consumption, I am committed to cultivating good health, both physical and mental, for myself, my family, and my society by practicing mindful eating, drinking, and consuming. I will practice looking deeply into how I consume the four kinds of nutrients, namely edible foods, sense impressions, volition, and consciousness. I am determined not to gamble or to use alcohol, drugs, or any other products which contain toxins such as certain websites, electronic games, TV programs, films, magazines, books, and conversations. I will practice coming back to the present moment to be in touch with the refreshing, healing, and nourishing elements in me and around me, not letting regrets and sorrow drag me back into the past, nor letting anxieties, fear, or craving pull me out of the present moment. I am determined... not to try to cover up loneliness, anxiety, or other suffering by losing myself in consumption. I will contemplate interbeing and consume in a way that preserves peace, joy, and well-being in my body and consciousness, and in the collective body and consciousness of my family, my society, and the earth. So the idea here isn't to stop consuming altogether, or to not uh, partake of pleasures, but rather not to let those pleasures pull you out of the present moment, not to let those pleasures, not to consume those pleasures to cover up difficult emotions, uh, and not to really be t too attached to those pleasures. And I think in the way that Menachem Nachum of Chernobyl vi envisions it, uh, that's why we say blessings before we partake in food and drink and other activities that cause pleasure to sort of raise the sparks of holiness that are within them up to their holy source, to consume, to remember that we're consuming for a holy reason. I'd like to now bring another quote. This is from Tubtan, Tubtan Chodron, uh, who was born into a Jewish family. She's a Tibetan Buddhist teacher. She says the following. Pleasure is not a problem. There's nothing evil about pleasure. The problem is our craving, clinging, and attachment to that pleasure. Don't blame pleasure, but examine your experience and see what happens when you get attached to pleasure. Is your mind peaceful? Are you kind-hearted? Do you treat others fairly? Or does your mind become narrow and obsessed with the person or object that gives you pleasure? Spend some time thinking about how attachment hijacks your mind and causes you problems. What ideas do you have for how to subdue your attachment and its deleterious effects? So I think she's saying a very similar thing here, and she's focusing in on the idea of being uh, held captive by your pleasures uh, and your desire, and 
being overly attached to the objects of your desire, which I think is another danger here mentioned uh, by Menachem Nachum of Chernobyl. There's a great quote by the musician and poet Leonard Cohen from the song Stories of the Street. He says, O lady with your legs so fine, O stranger at your wheel, you are locked into your suffering, and your pleasures are the seal. So, back to this original idea. I'd like to end with this idea that pleasure in itself, not such a bad thing, actually a good thing. Pleasure is a way to reach God, reach holiness, reach ultimate meaning, be connected to the one, the one source of everything that we're all a part of. But being attached to that pleasure, using that pleasure for unhealthy purposes to cover up difficult emotions, those are things that we have to be careful for. So may we always, whenever we partake of pleasure, remember to be grateful and thankful for that pleasure and remember that it comes from a holy source and that it needs to go back up to a holy source. And if that means taking a mindful moment of meditation before partaking of the pleasure, if that means saying a blessing, then that's how it should be. And I would also add, you know, using drugs and alcohol and other sorts of substances, uh, and as Thich Nhat Hanh relates, uh, even conversations or video games or screens, using them to numb ourselves out and take us out of the present moment is also not good. So we, so we need, also need to be careful when we're taking part in a pleasurable experience, what our motivations are. Uh, and that the motivation should always be for the highest holiness. And it should never be overconsumption. It should never be to numb ourselves out and to uh, leave reality. So I'll leave you with that this week, dear listeners. Thank you for listening to the Nishama Project podcast. Until next time, this is Rabbi Ben Newman.